25. Jake. We made a strange little group, there at the edge of the meadow. An Andalite, an elephant, a gorilla, a hawk, and me. I was human again. In the middle of the circle we formed was Karen, or Aftran, depending on how you wanted to look at it. What are you going to do with me, Jake? She asked. It shocked me hearing my own name come from her. I mean, it shouldn't have surprised me, because I knew she'd been inside Cassie's head. But it made it all so terribly clear. Nothing had changed. Our lives were still in this controller's hands. I don't know what to do with you, I admitted. Sure you do, Rachel said coldly. Marco just saved her from me. Isn't that right, Marco? But Marco didn't answer. Instead, he began to demorph back to human, shrinking within the gorilla. Rachel moved her Miata-sized head and looked at Axe. You're with me, aren't you? Of course he is, Karen snapped. Humans may be capable of wanting peace, but not the almighty Andalites. Go ahead, Andalite. You have that tail of yours. Go ahead. Use it. Axe looked at Rachel with his stock eyes. He kept his main eyes on Karen, and he said, I will do as Prince Jake says. I saw the shock in Karen's eyes as she looked back at me to learn her fate. You said you had a deal with Cassie. Tell me about it. If she would suffer the same fate that awaits me, a life without sight, without pleasure, without freedom, then I would do what she asked me to do, Karen said simply. And what did Cassie ask you to do? To make what small peace I could, Curran said. To let this host body go free, and never take another human host. You'll do this? I asked. Curran nodded. Yes. Yeah, that's real likely, Rachel said derisively. I took a deep breath. Why will you do it? Why? Curran smiled a small smile. We are not all like Visor 3. She said. Some of us are just little yurks, unimportant nobodies who are caught in this war. Some of us also want peace. Some of us want to find a better way. But how can we give up everything and leave the universe to... She jerked her head toward Ox. To them. They'll never feel anything but hatred and contempt for us. Cassie... Cassie did not hate. Jake, stop listening to her. She wants to destroy us. She'll say anything she has to, Rachel cried. She'll tell any lie she has to. You can't let her walk away. She can't be trusted. Cassie trusted her, Tobias said quietly. This is insane! Ridiculous! Rachel yelled. She was right. What Cassie had done was insane. But it wasn't wrong. And I just kept thinking, as idealistic and naive... And even dumb, as Cassie's actions might have seemed, did I want to undo them all now? Did I want to destroy the meaning of her sacrifice? Cassie had given her life 
making an absurd, hopeful bet on peace. If I gave one order, her bet would be wasted. If I gave the other order, we might all die. I guess sometimes you have to choose between smart, sane, ruthlessness, and totally stupid, insane hope, I said, not even realizing I was speaking out loud. You can't just pick one and stick with it, either. Each time it comes up, you have to try and make your best decision. Most of the time, I guess I have to go with being smart and sane. But I don't want to live in a world where people don't try the stupid, crazy, hopeful thing sometimes. I looked at Rachel, towering above us all. Rachel, I'm not going to give any orders. Each of us has to decide for ourselves, right now. I looked at Karen again, and then turned away. I walked back to the caterpillar. I plucked up the stalk of the plant and carried it carefully into the forest. Tobias joined me a few minutes later, and then Axe, and Marco. Rachel didn't come, not at first. But after a while, there she was, human again. We looked at her, wondering. Cassie was my best friend, she said, gritting her teeth to control the tears. I'm not going to be the one to call her a fool. Rachel reached out her hands to take the stiffening, drying chrysalis. I'll carry her, she said. I'll keep her safe. Chapter 26 Cassie For a long time, I was gone. Unconscious. Unaware. A worm in hibernation. The limited caterpillar mind not even functioning at its very limited level. It was like I was dead. Only, there were still these faint, far-off dreams. Wisps of dreams, really. Nothing to hold on to. Faint images of people and places. My parents, most of all. Not that I knew what those vague faces meant. I was changing, but I didn't know that I was changing. I didn't even know that I existed. I was inside a hardened shell, hanging from the bottom of a leaf. I was becoming one of the miracles of nature. I was living through nature's own morphing. Slowly, so slowly, I became aware. I stirred and shifted, and my own movement woke me up. My dried, stiff sack of skin began to crack open like an egg. It split, and I felt a new, strange sensation. The first new thing I had felt for a long time. Air! Now things seemed to be happening very quickly. I was pushing, squirming, trying to get out. Impatient. I pushed, and suddenly, I could see! In an explosion of awareness, I knew who I was. I was Cassie! And I could see again. Colors. Like some lunatic artist run nuts, spraying everything in brilliant, iridescent, glowing, insane colors. Compound eyes, I told myself. Then I laughed, because I still knew the term. I was back. I was me again. But not the human me. Compound eyes. And now, antennae that unfolded from the stickiness of the chrysalis and smelled all the delicious smells of the world. I pushed further, harder, and, little by little, I emerged from the chrysalis. Then, at last, I unfolded my wings. They were limp and damp at first, but I held them out to dry and harden. 
They were made up of millions of tiny scales, almost like the skin of a reptile. But these scales glittered with color. It was funny, I suppose, because I was seeing color the way a butterfly does, which is very different from human sight. To my fractured compound eyes, I seemed to be a dazzling mix of ultraviolet and red. But human eyes would see me quite differently. Where my mouth should have been, there was a long, coiled proboscis. My life's work would be to flip from one beautiful, glowing flower to the next, to uncoil my proboscis and drink nectar from the heart of the flower. And, as if by accident, carry grains of pollen to the next flower. I had been a caterpillar. Now I was a butterfly. I had eyes. I had wings. I would not live out my life as a slug. Had I cheated Aftran the Yerk? Had Karen known about caterpillars and butterflies? Maybe not. In which case, Aftran would not have known either. I could almost have been happy. But now, awake again. Alert. Aware. All my human memories came rushing back. How long had I been this way? What awful agony would my parents have endured? And my friends, did they even know? I tested my wings. Sunlight had dried them. I was what I was. A butterfly. I would live a short life in a world of flowers. I wanted to cry. But my butterfly instincts told me I had work to do. Flowers, loaded with pollen, waited for me to help them live. Chapter 27 Jake I was sitting in science class, listening to some hopelessly complicated lecture about fungus, when I saw the familiar flash of brown and tan shoot past the window. Jake! Jake! She's coming out! Tobias said. I thought it was supposed to take at least ten days, I said. The teacher stared at me. So did most of the class, those that were awake. Sorry, I said. I, uh, I'm not feeling too well. Permission to go to the nurse? Wait until the end of class. But I have to hurl, I cried, and ran for the door. No one argues when you say you have to hurl. They just get out of your way. Seconds later, Rachel got sick too. She also had to hurl. Then Marco left the classroom he was in. Marco, being Marco, told his teacher he had to rush out to put on one of those nicoderm patches. I'm trying to break the smoking habit, he yelled. Don't stop me! Twenty minutes later, we were all assembled around the little flower garden behind Cassie's house. That's where we'd moved the chrysalis. It had been hanging from its transplanted plant amid the flowers, with Tobias staying nearby, day and night, to protect it from predators. Cassie's parents didn't know, of course. Three days had gone by. They were still hopeful that she'd be found. I didn't know what to tell them. Or when. Or whether I should just let them go on hoping. We gathered around the chrysalis, which was split wide open. The butterfly emerged, little by little. Then, at last, it spread its beautiful wings. It was supposed to take a couple of weeks, I said. Cassie always was the fastest morpher, Tobias pointed out. Rachel was crying, which is a disturbing sight because Rachel doesn't cry. I guess I was too. She's a butterfly, Rachel said. 
She made it. At least now she'll... She broke down again. It was nice that Cassie was a butterfly instead of a caterpillar. But it wasn't anything to celebrate. Not to us. Not to her parents. Axe arrived in human morph, trotting a little erratically on his two legs. He bent over and looked closely at the butterfly, just testing its wings. What is that? It's Cassie, I said, emerging from the chrysalis. Axe looked puzzled. But this is not at all the body she had. No, that's what happens, Marco explained. The caterpillar becomes the butterfly. Suddenly, the butterfly simply took off. It fluttered away across the flowers, like it was shopping for just the right one. Naturally occurring morphing, Axe asked quizzically. You didn't tell me. I guess it is natural morphing, I said. And I guess it's better to live your life as a butterfly than as a caterpillar. Would Cassie prefer being this creature to being human again? Axe asked. Creature. Creature. Rachel sighed. No, Axe, of course not. We're just saying that this is better than our only other choice. Better to be a butterfly than a caterpillar. Ah, I see, Axe said. But maybe she would like to demorph now. I'm sure she would, Marco said grimly. Then she should, Axe said. Slowly, one by one, we all turned our eyes to stare at him. Rachel did a little more. She jumped up, grabbed him by the collar, and said, Are you jerking my chain, or do you have something to say? Axe seemed a little surprised, to put it mildly. But he said, Oh, I see. You didn't realize. Za. Realize. A very complicated word. Realize. And the z sound makes my human mouth parts tickle. Ux, are you saying Cassie can morph? I demanded. I believe so, he said. This naturally occurring morphing should reset the morphing clock. She has two hours to demorph. Get... That butterfly! I yelled. Chapter 28 Cassie I had lied to my parents. I stuck to the truth as much as I could. I mean, I told them about falling in the river. I just left out Karen. And I told them I'd survived for three days eating mushrooms. I was on the news. And in the newspaper. The headline was, Girl survives ordeal eating mushrooms. I thought it was kind of funny, like the ordeal was mushrooms. I was interviewed a lot, and I was hugged a lot. For a couple of days, my parents wouldn't let go of me, which was fine by me. But finally, at last, my life started to get back to normal. Normal except for the fact that each day I woke up wondering, would this be the day the Yerks would take me? Would this be the day my friends and I would be made into controllers? But days went by, and there was no sudden attacks. At school, Chapman, the assistant principal, and a major controller, ignored me like he always did. Jake's brother, Tom, just made some crack about me and mushrooms, but that was it. No attack. And then, my dad came home, snapping his fingers and giggling. 
He lifted me up and twirled me around into a really bad dance. Probably the frog or the twist or whatever. We're saved, he said. Okay, I said. No, we got funding. We got funding. The Wildlife Rehabilitation Clinic is open for business again and back better than ever. No way, I screamed. Yeah, it was weird. Suddenly, this guy from Unibank calls up and says his daughter had heard about the clinic. He says she's been bugging him to contribute enough money to keep us open. The man actually said, So, tell me what you need so my little girl will be happy. So I did. And he's sending the check over. He laughed. A good week, huh? Then he hugged me like he'd been doing every eight minutes since I'd come back. Wonder who that little girl is? We owe her big. I knew the little girl's name, of course. Karen. Karen, who had been made into a controller to keep tabs on her father, the president of Unibank. But I, too, wondered who she was. All I knew for sure was that she had not given us up to her fellow yurks. Another week went by before I was sure. I was in the mall, with Rachel, of course. Since being a butterfly, I'd become more interested in colors. Rachel decided this meant I should have all new clothes, so she was dragging me from store to store, attempting to get me to understand the concept of accessorizing. And that's when I saw her standing off by herself, just a little distance from the woman who must have been her mother. I went over to her, leaving Rachel in the midst of some sweaters. Hi, Karen, I said. Hi, Cassie, she said. How are you? She looked at me with those familiar green eyes and said, I'm free, Cassie. She kept our promise. I'm free. I couldn't say anything. Words wouldn't come out. I just knelt down and gave the little girl a hug. One small victory. One girl free. One connection made with one of our enemies. A very small piece. She would be glad you escaped, Karen said. She tried to stop you at the very end. I nodded, wordless still. Her mother came and got her then. Karen disappeared, a little girl carrying a huge secret, her mind filled with things no little kid should know. Kind of like me, I realized. Kind of like all the Animorphs. Was I still an Animorph? Yes. It meant I would have to fight sometimes. But being an Animorph might also let me find other small victories for peace. Amid all the conflict and fear and rage, I could still look for the enemy who might become a friend. It wasn't a perfect answer, but it was the best I could do. So? Rachel demanded, holding up two sweaters. Which one do you like? The green or the red? I thought of Aftran, the enemy. I thought of her swimming blind in the York pool, with only her memories of a brighter world. She told me that humans live in paradise. She turned her back on paradise to make a small piece. Both, Rachel. And I like the blue. And the yellow. And that rose color there. And the stripes. We live in paradise, Rachel, and we don't even know it, and we don't know when it might end. We'd have to be fools not to enjoy it while we can. So whip out your credit card, girl. We're adding some color. Look at the sun, and once I hear them clearly say, oh, 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 oh
Hello, Phantomorphs, and thank you for listening to another episode of Audiomorphs, the Animorphs auditory experience. As always, this is your host, Daniel. And here we are, the end of book 19. Thank you, everyone, for uh, putting up with me taking an off week um, for the holiday, I guess. I had stuff going on. Um, I appreciate your patience. Uh, I didn't want to rush this one, you know, and it was just kind of unfortunate timing that it happened right before the last episode, but uh, such is life. Uh, so thank you for, for being patient. Here it is, the end of book 19. Thank you all for sticking with me um, through 19 books now. That's incredible. Uh, we've got, what, another <laughs> 20-some to go? Uh, I can't wait. I cannot wait. Yeah, man, I I love this book. Favorite book of the series, uh, seriously. It's, you know, the whole, like, oh, she became a butterfly and that reset her morph timer thing is a little, like, you know, uh, but uh, I, I understand that they couldn't leave her as a butterfly, but that also you don't get the emotional impact of a self-sacrifice if she doesn't commit thinking that this is really going to be her life, you know? Uh, so I understand why it plays out that way. I know some people aren't happy with how it ends like that. Logistically, I get it, and everything leading up to that point is just so good that I'm willing to overlook it. That's just my opinion. If you'd like to share your opinion with me, or, you know, a question, or your thoughts, a fun story, um, really anything, there are, se- there are several ways you can do that, such as audiomorphscast at gmail.com, audiomorphscast.tumblr.com, on Twitter, at audiomorphs, or through my website, theapodcalypse.com. That's the apodcalypse, like apocalypse, but with a D in the middle. Uh, that has all my creative uh, projects on it, which is, at this point, primarily just a rewatch, pod- rewatch podcast. Ooh, my mouse all over the place today, huh? Uh, a rewatch podcast I do with my friend Jesse. Uh, we are currently going through season three of Riverdale. It's been a great time. We just had, I guess I won't be out by the time this goes up, but uh, just had friend Marky. Uh, on the show, uh, they had never seen an episode of Riverdale before, so it was really fun to just throw them into the middle of season three and just watch them be very confused uh, by by the nonsense. Uh, we love to see it, folks. Uh, other than that, I don't have any questions or uh, messages this week, nothing like that. So, uh, oh, uh, if you use Apple Podcasts, leave me a rating and review. If you got uh, friends that you think might like this, let them know. Um, and all of that jazz, my website, I mentioned it before, but theapocalypse.com, go check that out. Uh, and I will, uh, get the supercut of this book out next week, hopefully. Uh, that is always my goal. And, um, then we'll just be on to the next one. So I'll, uh, see you on the other side. My name is Daniel, and I believe one day the Andalites will come. Until then, we fight.